The following program is being brought to you on the Seventh Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit SeventhWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. As spiritual seekers, we often receive guidance on which path to follow. This might be necessary for some time, but as we move along, we need to trust our heart and become our own guide. Welcome to Nurturing the Spiritual Spelunker in All of Us, a place where we can listen to everyone's heart. Your companion on the journey is Jill Asselin. Come join us now on this path of inner exploration. Here is your host, Jill Asselin. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Jill. Welcome or welcome back if you're coming back for today's show. Thank you for being here. I really appreciate your your listening and your presence. It's been a sort of a new week. Uh, It's been a week since I was on the airwaves. Sometimes the show is recorded. This last week wasn't, and today also is live. And I thought it was a pretty... um, uneventful week. Um, you know, just I was in France last month and I got back about two weeks ago. So time to readapt and time to, to get a feel about what's going on um, in terms of the show, in terms of my life, in terms of uh, where I see myself going. Hence the, the question for today, where, where is this, um, all of this going to lead us? And I think there's a uh, there are many levels when we can, where we can consider this question. Um, you know, the personal level, at the whatever group level, society's level, planetary level. And um, I was thinking, reflecting on the title that um, which came to me. It's very interesting. It came to me about three, four days ago. The title felt good, and yet nothing else. Um, Absolutely nothing else except one, uh, one short excerpt from uh, Judith Kuzel. Uh, we came onto the show in July and August. So I will read that to you. It's pretty brief and it's, uh, it's very good. It's at the cosmic level. It's one of the dimensions, possibly the largest. And then, um, as I said, not, nothing really came. And I was surprised because it's uh, pretty much the second week in a row that this happens. Last week also, my inspiration was very minimal. And... Um, that's the way it is. I mean, but uh, I, I can sense, you know, I was, <laughs> excuse me, I was talking about the patterns and um, my, my seeing signs of death uh, all over the place when I was in France. And I was reflecting on that, you know, is this, uh, is this a, new, a new phase in a sense, a new phase for whatever needs to happen, uh, not only for the planet, the world, but also for, for myself, you know, in a sense... Uh, I could possibly picture myself if, if what, in what the, the Tibetan Buddhists call the bardo, and it's a, it's, a, it's a canal of, it's a rebirth canal, it's a birth canal. canal. And um, 
and the visibility is not very great. You know, it's uh, visibility and clarity is always something my rational mind is looking for. And um, there, haven't, there hasn't been much to it in the past few years. And I think that's just fine. You're going get to get used to it. And then you, you have a sense of where you're going. And then out of the blue, you get you know, a call. The call that I got about a year ago for a year ago to do this show. So there's always um, you know, something, um, something that leads you somewhere. But if I put that, you know, those insights, in a sense, into a bigger framework... Uh, it's very difficult to answer that question. Where is this going to lead us? I mean, many people talk about the golden age. Uh, from what I understand, it's going to start, um, if I'm not mistaken, again, 2,500 years after the passing of the Buddha, which would be the year 2017. So we are fairly close to that. Um, only less than two years to, to get there. And... Logically, also, the question is, how do we prepare ourselves for this golden age? And at the same time, we're entering the, an age called uh, the age of Aquarius. I mean, you can read so much about this and uh, about the transition between uh, the age of the Pisces uh, that lasted for about 2,000 years. And now the world, the planet and its inhabitants moving into um, something different. I think something different... Um, Essentially, in terms of vibrations, the Earth's uh, vibrations, I think, are rising, and, and so are ours. And, um, you know, how do we see that? How do we sense that? Uh, one way, possibly, would be to see what's going on around, um, around us and the way people react to us. And um, as I said in my brief um, introduction to the show today, I mean... I can still see so many people suffering and struggling around. And, and sometimes, you know, I wonder, you know, how can I best, you know, help them? And oftentimes, they struggle with things they don't, they're not aware, with, aware of. Uh, it's very much um, an unconscious process. And I, can, and I do send them compassion. I do send them love and light. But um, I question, you know, within the time frame, again, within the, the, the framework of that, that question, where is this going to lead us? Is this going to lead us to a healthier world? A world where, you know, this kind of suffering will be gone for good. And that's my, my deepest wish. When uh, together as a, as a community, we will be able to see the light in a sense, and the light will be able to illuminate uh, the cave, the cave of darkness that's been with us for so many years, so many centuries and millennia. So that's the kinds of the uh, questions that came to mind as I was um, getting myself ready for the show. And again, not, not much um, content, not much um, substance. That's the word I was looking for. And usually I get poems or I get, um, you know, posts that are really calling me and, are, and they are always right on target, right on the money. And this time, nothing. And I was a bit perplexed until yesterday afternoon and um, I started opening a book and um, I was talking about signs last week, you know, listening to and discerning the signs 
And one of the signs I got yesterday afternoon is that my suddenly my internet connection wasn't working. So I had to do something away from the computer, or I had to do something, you know, typing, or but not using the internet, which I do use on a regular basis. And about four or five days ago, I ordered a couple of books from a, a woman called Margaret Starbird. Uh, her name was given to me by a, a sister of mine, a spiritual sister of mine in Sweden. And um, she has a very intriguing, intriguing book uh, called 14 Steps to Awaken the Sacred Feminine, Woman in the Circle of Marie Magdalene. And... Um, I think I mentioned Margaret last week in my show, so I'm not going to tell once again how I got in touch with her, but she's on Facebook, and um, she's also on email, and we've had some uh, exchanges, uh, at least two of them, since last uh, Saturday. And yesterday afternoon, because I had nothing else to do, so to speak, uh, I started opening a book. It's a, it's a fairly thin book. It's a workbook, uh, again, as to use with uh, circles of women. And I was intrigued um, because I'm, I'm looking into the possibility, as I said two weeks ago, of offering and leading classes in, uh, in um, honoring or nurturing the sacred feminine in all of us, but especially in men. And when I got this book and I started looking at it, I wanted to myself, you know, how can I be able to, to use this book with men? Because obviously I didn't know what it was. It's all about, it's all about Marie Magdalene and her life. But um, how would men relate to, um, to the life of, of this person, Marie Magdalene, who had a very, um, a very tumultuous life and which was defiled by the church, as we all know. And the other aspect that really got me puzzled, um, just holding and thinking about this book, is I don't want to get into the religious. Uh, this is not my path any longer. I've been a so-called religious person for long enough. And I think I moved out of this uh, religious path seven years ago, almost eight now, when I left the, the Buddhist organization. This is what I discussed um, with much details, with many details in my first or second show. And I had a taste of it, and um, I realized it was time to fly on my own. I think I mentioned that quite a few times. But there are times in our lives when, um, again, we sense we don't exactly know where this is going to lead us, but we sense that it's time to jump in or to jump out into the unknown, into, um, into what will come next, even though it's not clearly in manifest form yet. And that's the sense I had eight years ago. I, I, I'd been doing some research and talked to people in the organization where I was, but there was a point where it was clear to me that it was time to go. And came one workshop in the Poconos in um, November of 2007. And then I asked the question, not so much to me. I was, the question was in me. I was carrying the question within. But I asked the question as a way to introduce myself in a group, a group of about 32 people. It was a three or four day, three day workshop the week before Thanksgiving. I clearly remember that because we had the first snow out there. And I asked the question that morning, maybe around between nine and 10, when everybody introduced ourselves. I think the question was very heavy on my heart. 
And again, this was a circle, just like the Marie Magdalene circle. And it was amazing because within one hour, uh, still being in the presence of the circle, the answer came. And it was so crystal clear. It was so crystal clear to me that, yes, it was time for me to fly. It was time for me to get out of that golden cage. And it was time for me to move on, in a sense, and start building what needed to be built, even though I didn't know what it was. And I still quite know, quite don't know. And that's just fine. And it's interesting I'm saying this now because um, a couple days ago, I think last week, maybe six days ago, two young women came to our door. They knocked. I opened the door, and they happened to belong to the Church of the Later Day of the Saints, uh, a local church, and they were promoting... Um, it was Wednesday. They were promoting their Thursday nights, whatever, Halloween. There was sort of a buffet, games for kids, of course, pumpkin carving and things like this. And I was preparing dinner, so I couldn't talk to them much, but I said, if you'd like to come back, please do so. And um, one of them, um, Chinese, very interesting, Chinese, most likely born in the U.S., but offered to do a prayer for our family, and I graciously um, accepted. It was a short prayer to the Lord, and I thanked them, and um, I thought they would be supposed to come back. And in the meantime, very, very young people, I would say early to 80s, possibly late teens, and I thought to myself, you know, I would like to respect their belief and what they are doing. They call themselves missionaries. Um, I think it was very... Um, impressed and so intrigued that such young fellow would call themselves missionaries, which they are, but I thought missionaries would be like a term reserved for people going abroad and going into other lands, in a sense, to bring the words of God. And uh, I thought to myself, you know, I want to respect their beliefs, their level of understanding of life. And yet it's obvious to me that I wouldn't get into such, such a, an organized way of, it's like an organized way of living, organized way of thinking, organized way of being, especially after being in uh, two different kinds of religious organization for, for almost 40 years. I could see my own light for sure. And um, so I was thinking about that, and they happened to come back, but we were not around, so they left a message by the door, and they were saying, uh, hoping to get in touch with me at some point. Um, I don't know if they're going to come back or not, but um, I've been thinking about them, and I've been thinking about, you know, the way to, um, at the same time, encourage them on their own path, because, you know, that's a, it's the way they chose Possibly their parents chose that way for them. I don't know. But it's a very, how do you put it? Respectful is not the word I want, it's not the word I would like to use, but it's a very respect worthy in a sense. And I'm sure there's many things they can learn about themselves as well. And possibly one day they will uh, want to move to a different organization, a different path. I don't know. It's not up to me to tell, it's not up to me to advise them. But um, 
Anyway, that's the question that came to mind and I wanted to share with you because uh, I thought it also very, um, almost very timely in a sense that two messengers in a sense, two young messengers um, come to our door and they had a message, a message of God in a sense. And um, I was kind to them even though I couldn't host them for a long time. But I thought it was very... Um, I don't know, they're intriguing, you know. I was talking about signs last week, so, you know, when something happens like this, um, meaningful or not, you start to think. Sometimes people just don't think, but there's so many signs around us, and I think it's important to, um, to reflect. Some of them may not have any importance, importance but some of them may. Um, so that's um, what I wanted to share and right before the break, I wanted to convey the words again of uh, Judith Kuzel. Um, it's something I received about three days ago in one of her posts on Facebook. Again, if you want to check Judith um, out on Facebook, or she has a website as well called Judith Kuzel. Kuzel is spelled K-U-S-E-L. So her website is judithkuzel.com. And, you know, she's had, we'd had uh, three conversations together. So hear what she said about, uh, about three days ago. The flaming sword of truth cuts for the lies, the dross, the illusions, and will cleave open all which no longer serves the highest good and growth of all concern. Therefore, let this be understood. The truth will reveal itself at this time, for we are in the most potent of shifts in consciousness this world has ever known. I appeared before the cosmic hierarchy last night and was shown this empathetically. Indeed, they are surrounding us now on a vast scale which has never happened before. The whole cosmos is holding its breath for the new earth to arise out of the ashes of the old. The phoenix is rising. Let no one buy, let no one buy into the illusion that nothing is happening. All is happening at once. And that flaming sword is going to cleave open a way for the new humanity to rise. And it is already doing so now. Let those who have inner eyes see. Let those who have inner ears hear. Let those who have insight and understanding learn to stand in their truth. And I thought it was a very, um, again, timely and and very um, beautiful message. And the idea that came to mind, and I, con- and I connected that idea with uh, one of my shows maybe three weeks ago, four weeks ago, is the idea of standing in our true power. And I think that's what the message is all about. The last line reads, let those who have insight and understanding learn to stand in their truth. And it's exactly what I was saying. Please stand in your true power. You may be able to affect the world and humanity in a way that you can't even understand right now. You can't even fathom right now. And that's what I'm saying when I say, you know, where is this going to lead us? We don't know. But it's important that we, be, that we truly be ourselves in our true nature, in our true power, so that we can impact the world with whatever gift 
whatever talent, whatever asset that we have. It's the question of, of stepping in. It's a question of, of jumping out, like I was saying at the beginning of the show. It's, um, it's also a question, I think, of, of spiritual confidence. I mentioned that earlier on. But it's, um, it's very important that we, again, dive in. Dive in, see what happens, go with the flow. And, um, and I wish you good courage. The French say bon courage. So that's what I wish you to, to end this segment. Thank you. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Now there's a new destination for video content. VoiceAmerica.tv. Just like our radio channels and so much more. Voice America Variety, Health and Wellness, Business, Sports, Green Talk, Power Up Motorsports, and 7th Wave Network now have their own video channel components. Plus, check out exclusive programming, including movies, music, educational courses, science and history, current events, and short features. High-definition, premier-quality programs available 24-7. VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to Nurturing the Spiritual Spelunker in All of Us with Jill Asselin. To reach the program, call in to one 866 472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to seeking at nurturingthegift.org. Now, back to the program. Hello again, this is Jill. Um, thank you very much for listening and being here today. I was talking in the first segment about, I was finishing the segment talking about um, the message from Judith Kozel and this idea of um, standing in our true power or learning to stand in our truth the way she says it. And um, a story came back to mind, a story that I used a long, long time ago. I think I used it about 11 years ago when I was part of the a retreat in New York State, right outside New York, in Hawaii. And it's coming from the Hopi, H-O-P-I, the Native American uh, Indian. It's part of their wisdom. So I wanted to, to read it back to you. It's a beautiful story. It talks about the 11th hour. And reading it makes me think about... Um, 
you know, what's going on sometimes. We're losing so many. I've been losing quite a few friends and relationships this year. And possibly one last week again. And I thought to myself, you know, what is going on? I know that I was in a, in a phase or in a stage where things appear to be dying. But, and, I, and again, I have used that metaphor, which is very apt, very uh, apropos, I would say in French, very appropriate, of a, of a tree with dead branches. And this process of, of dying and then rebirthing is very similar to gathering of the, the dead branches, the branches that no longer serve. But when you have, you know, about three relationships already this year that were, at some point, I was fairly close to them, and they don't seem to be going anywhere anymore. And that's what, um, that's what this, this episode made me think about. And you can suddenly reflect in your life, see what's going on. But, um, so here is the, a bit of a wisdom from the Hopi. Hopi elders speak. You have been telling the people that this is the 11th hour. Now you must go back and tell the people that this is the hour. And there are things to be considered. Where are you living? What are you doing? What are your relationships? Are you in right relation? Where is your water? Know your garden. It is time to speak your truth. Once again, create your community. Be good to each other. And do not look outside yourself for the leader. This could be a good time. There is a river flowing now very fast. It is so great and swift that there are those who will be afraid. They will try to hold on to the shore. They will feel they are being torn apart and they will suffer greatly. Know the river as its destination. The elders say we must let go of the shore, push off into the middle of the river, keep our eyes open and our heads above the water. See who is in there with you and celebrate. At this time in history, we are to take nothing personally, least of all ourselves. For the moment that we do, our spiritual growth and journey comes to a halt. The time of the lone wolf is over. Gather yourselves. Banish the word struggle from your attitude and your vocabulary. All that we do now must be done in a sacred manner and in celebration. We are the ones we've been waiting for. The elders uh, from the OP nation in Hawaii, Arizona. And again, this, um, this story and this piece of wisdom came back right as I was finishing reading the, the excerpt from Judith. And I remember telling in that workshop 11 years ago that, yes, it feels a bit uncomfortable we're in the middle of the river. But soon you realize it's only a way to go. If you keep getting hold onto the shore, then you're going nowhere. It's in the middle of the river that the, the current is the, is the swifter, in a sense, is the fastest. 
This is where it can take you to where the river is going. So that fits very well again with uh, the topic of the day, the theme for the week. You know, where is all of this going to take us? Still, I have no idea. But it's a question of it's a question of faith that we're going just like the river uh, towards the right destination. Again, the elders say we must let go of the shore, push off into the middle of the river, keep our eyes open and our heads above the water. See who is in there with you and celebrate. And sometimes, you know, when I think about those relationships that I've apparently lost this year, maybe these are people that are longer with me in a sense. They're not willing to... Um, to go into the middle of the river with me. And maybe that's the reason why the branch is dying and the branch is eventually falling off the tree. And there's, um, there's nothing unusual uh, with this process. This is a process of life. Uh, it's just a little heartbreaking at time when... Um, there's no more willingness on the, on the other person or on my, on my own end to, to go about the relationship and to maintain and nurture the relationship. Um, and I keep thinking, you know, that somehow something has served, has served its purpose. With one of the people I had a very, a very deep relationship, I can think about what we exchanged four or five years ago. And the person's, you know, presence and assistance was very... Um, very dear to me, very helpful, very kind. And yet, it seems like, you know, slowly but surely, we've gone, we've gone further apart. And that's just, again, we've gone further apart. Maybe the person stayed on, on their side of the river and I'm moving closer to the middle. Um, again, there's no, there's no accident, there's no coincidence why... This poem came back to me just now. And um, this very well may, be, um, may very well be a sign. I, I don't know. And I don't think I need to, to know too much. I think those signs that I was talking about last week, it's something that we, that we understand, that we discern with our life. Sometimes in retrospect, sometimes it's not easy to make sense of what's happening Again, it's better to be in the middle of the river and keep our heads above the water and have what I call spiritual confidence. Spiritual confidence that there's a way, there's a path. Um, this is going to take us somewhere. If I look back at my life, you know, eight years ago when I left that Buddhist organization, I had certainly much more security and certainty in my life I mean, if I had questions, I could go to a so-called leader and ask him or her questions, and I would get answers. And most likely the answer would be to go back to my altar and chant. Because in the end, the answer is within. Or what needs to pop up or pop out is, is, is coming from within, from the wisdom of your own life. And um, I realized that, you know, I don't need to have people tell me that. It's something I can experience on my own. It's something I can share with others. It's something I can 
so-called eliminate the world in a sense. And, um, and you realize, you know, when you go into the river that after a while you get accustomed. You get accustomed, you see signs, um, sometimes we call them synchronicities, that lead you into the right direction or lead you to the right people. I've met so many new people also. I, I mentioned losing three people this year through three friendships. But how many did I gain in the process? And one comes to mind that, that last week I connected with one person um, who is also into this Katha thing, into this, um, how would I call it, this church of love in a sense. And she was part of the Monsegur saga when, um, when the French, when the armies of the king and the pope uh, besieged the castle in the year 1243-1244. And it's interesting how we, we connected. And uh, you can sense that there's, um, I would say, a similar blood flowing in our veins. Um, and I think it has to do with the level of vibration again. You know, people who vibrate at the same level as you do either will be attracted to you or you will be attracted to them. And there's no need to do a long introduction about who you are and what you're doing on this earth. There's a, there's a common understanding. There's a, a common purpose. And then we started talking, uh, this is a bit of an aside, but it's an interesting one in terms of my own um, journey. Since I went to the top of Monsegur about a month ago, um, we started talking about it and talking about what happened. And I shared with her that, you know, most likely they are souls that are trapped uh, at the top of Monsegur. And um, interestingly enough also, uh, in the past four days, I connected with two or three people who jumped off the cliff at that time. Uh, either the day before, two days before, or the day of the... At the pyre, the day when the pyre was lit, on March 16th. And, you know, call it a sign. This is a very strong proof, a very strong confirmation of my, on my path that, that something is calling. And my concern is that some of the souls that jumped off the cliff or that died atop the castle in whatever way, you know, fighting or just from a disease or from the cold, from the winter cold. Um, these people may still be trapped, these souls may still be trapped out there. And, and for whatever reason. And, um, and that's what she shared this morning. She's uh, able to look into the um, Akashic records. And I asked her, you know, can you please look into that and share with me... Um, what you see, what you find. And um, that's a response from the morn this morning that I'm going to read to you. It may sound a little, um, I don't know, out of the norm or not of this time, but I really believe there's people out there, souls out there that need our help. And I'm planning to do something, something that I may explain next week in my show. I, I don't know. This is what she said. Good morning, dear brother. I'm sorry I'm just getting back to you. My time has not been my own lately. Yes, there are souls that are on the pog. The pog is like the, the base where the castle, the mountain where the castle is built. 
these souls chose to stay. The reason they stayed, the reason they stayed is that they don't recognize they have passed on. Those souls keep wandering on the park, trying to figure out why these people keep coming up the mountain. When a traumatic death occurs, the soul separates from the body so quickly that it takes on amnesia. Then you have those souls that are afraid to move on because all they remember is the material world and miss that or searching for loved ones. The only way to help them is to gather people who can help all of them go to the light. But you can't force those souls to move to the light. Those souls have free will just like we do. If they choose to stay, then all you can do is pray and maybe try again later. If you have any questions, feel free to write. And it's interesting that I'm saying, you know, where is, in my question, where is this going to lead us? Because I had a sense, I had a sense that there were some, um, some souls imprisoned, in a sense, at the top of Montségur. And it's not that I felt, I clearly felt it a month ago when I was there. I think the time was much more to to reminisce, to, to remember what was happened. And, um, and for me to see for the first time a place that I had never been to. But something in me that I can't explain, something, uh, it's not even a nudge, it's something nudging me, but it's, it's part of my, I would say it's part of my spiritual responsibility. And it was telling me, you know, inquire about this. And, and the signs that I keep getting people um, coming back to me and saying, yes, I jumped off this cliff some seven plus hundred years ago. I shared also in one of my show, there was a, this might have been at least three months ago, there was a documentary on the BBC, uh, a journalist, two journalists uh, inquiring about um, something that happened to a psychiatrist in Bath in England. And at some point, maybe 20 or 30 years ago, at some point he had many of his patients, all female apparently, were coming to see him and were telling him um, about their dreams. And their dreams were Cathar dreams, dreams about flames, dreams about dying, dreams about suffering. And this woman thought especially that he was also part of the, of the scene, of the play, so to speak. And I think he, he wrote a book about it. I think his name, if I remember correctly, is Arthur Girdham. G-U-I-R-D-H-A-M or something like this. And it's a name that I have heard in, uh, in Qatar country when I was there. And uh, the, the documentary that I watched, which is about 40 to 50 minutes, more or less discredited the, you know, the, the cause or the, the claim that people would come back as Qatar souls. And then towards the end, for whatever reason, we see two Irish ladies that have nothing to do with Bath and nothing to do with uh, the psychiatrist in Bath. But they take a trip back, a trip back to Montségur along with a journalist and another guy, uh, an English guy who lives in the, in the area. And they go up the park, they go up the, the castle. And at some point you could see one, uh, very emotional. And she turns around and she tells about a memory of jumping off the cliff. And uh, she said, at the time I was a man. 
and I couldn't take it. I couldn't take the impending death, death by fire. Not everyone is, um, is so-called happy. You know, it's a sense of liberation for those Cathar souls to move into heaven in a sense and to be liberated from that prison that is the body. But um, it was a real, uh, a real liberation for them. And that's what I sense also in this person, that there was um, a cry for help. Some people maybe, you know, still dealing with nightmares and with, um, I don't know. That's my sense. Again, it's something that I cannot quite explain because I haven't been there and I've never experienced this kind of a dream, this kind of nightmarish dream. And... Um, that's also what I'm sensing. There's a sort of intelligence within us that knows intuitively and that doesn't need any kind of rational explanation. Even though the documentary wasn't very positive about reincarnation, I thought it was a very good example of what can happen. And I think it's a very good example to educate people in general, the general public, about this phenomena that are only going to increase in the future. I'm talking about Montsegur because I felt very closely related to it. But uh, there are so many more areas in the world that have been uh, plagued by conflict, by war, by famines, by so many kind of things. And there were casualties, a lot of casualties, you know, lives, human lives, but also human souls that are being trapped. And uh, part of my responsibility, again, I sense, is to, is to help, to help in the liberation of those souls. And that's what I'm planning to do, whatever this kind of work uh, calls me. So thank you very much for listening again. I will see you in a couple minutes. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. Could you be the next legendary leader? That question hinges on your courage and willingness to change. Join Maria Danley every week for Legendary Leaders Answering the Higher Calling. Be inspired by stories and legend and listen to legendary guests along with live channeling to help you answer your higher calling and become the legendary leader you are destined to be. The world is waiting for you. Step up and join the wave. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. 
Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are listening to Nurturing the Spiritual Spelunker in All of Us with Jill Asselin. To reach the program, call in to 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to seeking at nurturingthegift.org. Now, back to the program. Hello again, this is Jill. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to my own journey and to what comes to me in terms of um, where I think this is going to lead us. Again, I don't have many answers. What I have is my own, uh, my own little pebbles on the path. Knowing that pebbles are material things, stones. And sometimes we don't. Sometimes the signs we get are, are more spiritual that, than anything else. But for one thing, the material um, thing I mentioned in the first segment is the book, the book from um, John Norton and Margaret Starbird, 14 Steps to Awaken the Sacred Feminine, Woman in the Circle of Marie Magdalene. And I wanted to share an excerpt. Um, I don't know exactly where this is going to take me, but I can sense there's, uh, there's something out here in this book, in the book and in the what I'm about to embark into. Um, and there's also a feeling, to, to, be, to be honest, there's also a feeling of readiness. And it's hard to explain, you know. Sometimes you, you sense you have to do things before you embark into something, onto a new project. But I thought two essential f- things uh, happen in, in my life this year, in our life. It's also our family life. This is for me and for our family a transition year. We move from the East Coast to the West Coast of the U.S. And it is a, a big move. This is a big, um, a big jump into a new environment. And um, I can't still feel the effect, the full effect of what, you know, what happened and why. And the second thing was my trip to France last month. It was a sort of, a, you can call it a pilgrimage. Uh, but things needed to happen, and um, I needed to set foot into the Cathar land, which I did for the first time in this life. And uh, and I, my sense, again, it's talking about my own intuition, that jumpstart uh, some sort of a new process. And, um, and I believe what will come next may be something to do with the sacred feminine, and something to do with leading circles of people interested in, in exploring their own uh, sacred feminine. And, and so many of us, especially men, are so, are so afraid to go in there. No, we're, get, we're getting, in this case, into a very sacred cave. A cave that I've been you know, unexplored at all for so many years, but at least so many lives, if we had you know, a range of um, several male lives. It's, um, it's a part of ourselves that we may have denied for whatever reason, possibly for the sake of um, going up the ladder in society or for the sake of whatever, war or power, progress. We don't know. 
so yesterday when I got a book into my hands, uh, when there was no internet connection, I just picked two chapters. The first one I picked was the last one, chapter 14, um, which is a very intriguing chapter. I won't say much about it, just the title. It says, we carry the grail, hopeful cup of life. And I've been talking about the grail. I've been talking about searching for the inner grail not so long ago, three or four weeks ago. And I thought that it's a very um, it's a very interesting thing, you know, for me to get into this chapter first, which is, in fact, the last one. And then, for whatever reason, I moved on to chapter 12, which was truly inspiring uh, to me. The title of the chapter is Journey in a Boat with No Oars. And it tells the story of Marie Magdalene. The book is about Marie Magdalene, so it's about the life of Marie Magdalene. And how she and a few of her colleagues, is not the right word, her brothers and sisters, made a trip from Palestine or Egypt, I don't know exactly, uh, to France, to the shores of France. And uh, it was a very treacherous trip. But they survived. And it was to them the beginning of a new life, in a sense. So where is this going to lead us? I thought also this chapter is very much in line with the theme for the day. Now, where is all of this going to lead us? When these people, uh, men and women, embarked into the boat, they had just no idea where this ship was going to take them. And yet they did, out of faith, out of what I call spiritual confidence, and they made it, despite all the odds, despite the wrath of Mother Nature. And I'm just going to read to you um, a passage that I transcribed yesterday because it was so meaningful to me. And it's a passage, part of a chapter, it's not the whole thing. The chapters are not very long. Again, it's a workbook. It goes... Legends in old French tell us of Joseph of Arimadea, the guardian of the grail, and of Lazarus and Martha, Martha of Bethany, traveling together with their sister Mary and two other Marys, Mary Salome and Mary Jacobi, the mother of James, James the Apostle. Several of her friends are with them, Maximus and Sidonius, according to some of the legends. The French legends said that this tiny group of pilgrims landed at Ratis, R-A-T-I-S, on the shores of Gaul, in a rudderless boat with no oars in about 42 CE. This open vessel, defying all odds, was guided only by the breath of spirit, blowing it across the storm-tossed sea and casting it up onto the rock-strewn beaches of the Mediterranean shores of southern France. Hadis was known for its temple honoring the great mother Sibyl, C-Y-B-E-L-E. So it is perhaps fitting that it was here that the Christian refugees from persecution in Jerusalem found sanctuary. Their only salvation was their passionate trust in their God, and his plan for their safety and well-being. Their journey, buffeted by wind and rain, tossed by tempestuous, tempestuous seas, is the model for our own voyage on the sea of life, 
trusting implicitly in the guidance of the Holy Spirit to bring us safely to our destination. And that's very much, I will make a, a short comment here, it's very much I relate to this, you know, the theme of where it is going to lead us. Again, we might not get very concrete answers down the road or in the next few days, in the next few weeks. But there's a sense deep within, if we search for that place deep within, that things are going to happen. They're going to happen. They're going to happen for our own safety and our own well-being and for the safety of the world we live in and for the well-being of the world we live in. There is no... There is no other way once we get into the middle of the river, in a sense. And I will continue for another two short paragraphs. A boat is also a chalice, a grail, a place of holding life's journey. It's a symbol of the womb-to-womb, vessel of life of the Great Mother. After the Gospel tells us that Mary Magdalene was the woman who first saw the risen Christ and told the others... And after she met her beloved again in the garden, she disappears from the official story. But that doesn't mean she's gone. We next find her in legend as a woman in a fragile boat, crossing to France with two other Marys, a brother Lazarus, and a child later called Princess Sarah, whom we understand as the daughter of Jesus and Marie Magdalene. This is the story of Marie Magdalene traveling in a boat with no oars, guided by the hand of God to a new and unknown life in the south of France. Among the relics we have of this journey story is a drawing of a small boat on the wall of the Holy Sepulchre in Jerusalem with the words, We went. Another very early Christian relic is a prayer rug woven in about 150 CE that shows the Holy Family with their hollows, and Jesus in the center, in a boat with no oars. The story it commemorates in weaving is that the holy family of Jesus and Marie Magdalene went to France, perhaps fleeing in fear for their lives. In southern France, Marie Magdalene's arrival is still celebrated in yearly pageants by the sea. And this is, again, the very last paragraphs about how we can relate to this uh, situation that Mary Magdalene and her peers are facing. We can all find similarities in our own lives with this story of a dangerous passage to something mysterious and unknown to us. Perhaps we're facing a new time of life that seems difficult, or perhaps we're traveling in unknown waters outside ourselves, feeling betwixt and between ways of life. The theme of leaving something behind and the unknown ahead is a part of everyone's life. Marie Magdalene shows us the tremendous courage and faith it takes to cross the great waters and start anew. From her, we learn that despite tragedy, disappointment, or just resistance to change, we can go on in faith that our vessel is sacred and that a divine hand steers the boat. I thank you very much, wish you a wonderful week, and we'll see you soon. Goodbye. Thank you for joining us on Nurturing the Spiritual Spelunker in All of Us. 
Your personal journey, assisted by your guide and companion, Giel Asselin, will continue next Thursday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be sure to tune in again. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 